Welcome to Momentum Church. We are online, man. We are really, really glad that you're here. My name is Stephanie Robinson. I am the Connection Pastor here at Momentum Church, and I am honored to be able to be here today and to be speaking to you in this third week of the Lemonade series. Um, if you you are, have been alive during 2020, and so you know that it has brought us some lemons. What is the phrase? Life gives you lemons, and then you make lemonade. And so we've been having fun with this series. Um, but before we kick off into week three, um, today is a special day. Because today we celebrate the day that Christy Choate was born. <laughs> if you don't know Christy Choate, she is, um, we have given her the official title, I think, of office administrator, but that has no, um, no bearing on all of the things that she does, and not just what she does, but who she is um, to our church family and people who haven't even attended here yet, but have benefited from who she is. So, um, Christy, today we raise our insulated coffee cups to you. <laughs> And we say thank you for loving God and loving the rest of us so fiercely. You are truly a peach among lemons and a rose among thorns, and we love you so very much. Happy birthday. Yes, please clap for Christy. Um, so we have been enjoying um, this lemonade series. Again, just what happens when life gives you lemonades. And we're going to set this here because I'll drop it at some point if I don't. Um, so we've been talking about, you know, again, just... What happens? And we've been looking through scripture about people who life just handed them a whole lot of lemons. But today we're going to look at it from a little bit of a different angle. Today we're going to look at it as not happens when life hands you lemons, but what happens when you grew the lemons yourself? Because right. <laughs> we've all grown lemons in our own life, right? We have all sinned. We have all planted maybe not just one lemon tree, maybe a whole orchard um, of lemons in our own life. And today we're going to look at a man in scripture who did just that. Not just one lemon tree, not just a couple orchards and orchards and orchards of lemons, and then had to figure out what to do with it. Um, But like him, again, we've all grown our lemons, we're going to see what happened to him that had the single most profound impact on his life, and that was having an encounter with Jesus. And then the second most profound thing of what do we do after that encounter? And so today we're going to be looking at the story of Saul. Many of you, um, it's in Acts chapter 9, if you got your Bible and you want to go ahead and start turning there. Um, Saul, we know him as the guy, he killed a lot of Christians wasn't a good guy, wasn't a good thing, not a good time to be a Christian and be in Saul's immediate area. But we know him because we have, we have the benefit of foresight that we know he goes on, he has an amazing encounter with Jesus, he turns it around, leads countless people to the knowledge of Jesus, writes a huge chunk of the New Testament, turns out okay, turns his lemons into the lemonade pretty well. Um, but we're not going to look at that portion of the story today. Um, today we're going to look at um, at the front side, the, the part that um, led up to that. So again, we're going to go to Acts chapter 9 in verse 1. It's going to be up on the screen behind me, but if you got your Bible, you can go there. Also, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv. There's a little place every week that has today's notes. You can follow along there from the comfort of your cellular device. So let's start in Acts chapter 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. 
and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light's up, bro. No, he said, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And so all the guys that are kind of there with Saul on the road, um, they hear a voice, and, but they can't distinguish like who it is or where it's coming from. But all they know is our buddy got up, and now he's blind, and we got to help him. Uh, we got to help him to town. So they get in there, and what Saul chooses to do next is pivotal. He's sitting there for the next three days, blind, with only his thoughts and his sin kind of running through his mind. But what he chooses to do next is so important. And just like Saul, well, maybe not just like Saul. Hopefully you haven't been going around killing a lot of Christians. But just like Saul, we also have to make this same choice. This, we experience Jesus, and now we've got to make sense of the lemons that we have in our life. All the lemons that we've chosen to grow. We've got to figure out what to do with it. And here's, again, kind of the pivotal moment for us when we, when we come to this realization and we want to move forward is, am I going to continue operating in my shame or am I going to move forward in repentance? And this should be an easy question, right? Of everyone here, whether you're online or here in this place, if I give you these two options, everyone's going to say, well, I want to move forward in repentance. Obviously, it should be that easy, but it's not. For some reason, um, we have to recognize our sin either way, and it should be easy to move forward in repentance. No one wants to operate in shame, but we do, because it has to be an active choice to move forward in repentance. And we don't want to address our sin, because it's messy. What, you know what we want to do? We want to um, do the forgiveness drive through we want to pull up and say, ooh, Jesus, I'm sorry. And we get our forgiveness and we pull. The problem is that we don't ever leave that parking lot. We just keep circling around and circling around. Sorry, Jesus, take my forgiveness, go away. But we never get out of that cycle. We go around and around. And our self-loathing circles us back around. Our shame, because we've not, I'm not going to try to get it right, but I know I'm probably not. And we go around and around and around Again, our little forgiveness drive-through, trying to, trying to get out of it. But we, because we don't take the time to really address the lemons in our life. But if we do want to take the time to address it, if we do want to say, okay, how do I move forward from this? What am I going to choose next? Because I don't want to keep choosing this shame. Because it's emotionally heavy, right? It's heavy to live and walk and drive around in that shame. But we do it all the time. Because while it's emotionally heavy, it's spiritually easy. It's spiritually lazy, but we do it anyway. And it sucks. And it's not what God ever intended us for us to walk in. But we do it because it's natural. It's natural to avoid. 
It's natural to just, oh, sorry, and go on. But repentance will always lead us to accepting grace. And this is, okay, this is difficult because it's also actually two distinct choices. That I'm going to make the choice to repent, and I'm also going to make the choice to accept grace. Because repentance is that, that active, I recognize that there's issues here. I recognize my behavior. I'm recognizing my choices, that they are hurting me, they're hurting God, they're hurting other people in my life. And not just that I recognize it, and that I, but that I'm going to commit myself to being better with the help of Jesus. I'm going to commit to a difference in my actions. Real repentance. Not just, sorry, Jesus. Just, I'm going to commit to making a difference. To, with God, being able to repent and move forward. But then that second choice is you got to actively accept grace. And you can do one of those things without the other, right? They are not mutually exclusive. But here's what's going to happen if you do. Repentance without grace, it's just going to throw you right back into that shame cycle because you're never going to feel good enough. You're never going to feel good enough if you say sorry, but you don't accept that grace from him, right? And, and the same the, the other way. You can accept grace without real repentance, but you're, but you're going to circle right back into that cycle because your heart hasn't really changed. And as soon, and that, and that gratefulness, there's going to be gratefulness for, for that grace, but as soon as the gratefulness wears off and your heart hasn't really changed, sin pulls you right back in, right? Because you haven't committed yourself to being different. We haven't committed ourselves to working with God to move forward, to stop growing the lemons and start, um, you know, making the lemonade for sure. You know, it's going to pull us right back in. So we have to make the choice that I'm going to be repentant and do what I can do. I'm also going to accept grace and accept what only he can do in my life. And so if you're kind of hearing these words today and you're like, man, I know I'm stuck in a cycle. I can tell you I don't really know where I am in this, but I know I'm not moving forward. I know that that, that extra step, I feel like I'm in that drive through Stephanie, <laughs> going round and round. Here's kind of a way that you can, that you can decipher what, what is trying to pull you back into that shame cycle, into that sin cycle to go round and round one more time. And what is the voice of God, that voice of grace in your life that, said, that says, let's, let's move forward. If we've been going in circles long enough, let's move forward now. Because here's what it looked like. Shame says, here's your bed, now lay in it. Where grace says, here's your bed, are you ready to get up now? Shame says, you deserve this pain, so just deal with it. Where grace says, I see your pain. Can I help bring you some comfort during it? Because grace isn't going to end the pain completely. Sometimes there are things that we have to deal with. But man, grace says, let me bring you some comfort during that. Shame breaks your legs and yells at you to get up. While grace says, I know you're broken, but can I help you stand? Shame says, there's no way that God can see all of this, all your ugly, all your mess, and still love you. Where grace says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. 
Neither death or life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Not power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing in all of creation. Nothing in all the broken creation that wants to cycle you back into your sin. Nothing can keep a repentant heart from the love of Christ. No matter what you've planted, no matter what you've done, no matter what that looks like. And you know why I'm so incredibly sure of that? Because you know who wrote Romans 8? Saul. He was Paul by then. But Saul, the guy who had grown all of the dang lemons he could ever imagine, he turned around and said, I'm convinced that there's nothing that will ever keep me from the love of God. The man whose life was riddled with sin, who did literally every single thing wrong. And you think there's anything you can do that can keep you from the love, from the grace of God? Now can we, can we, can you hear those words back to yourself from his mouth, from the voice of Saul that says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Because if there was anyone that would have known, it would have been Saul, right? <laughs> but he said, no, not life or death, angels or demons, fear for today, worry about tomorrow, nothing will separate us from the love of God. which is amazing. It's amazing to experience. Some of you may remember the first time that that really clicked in your heart. When you became a Christian and you were just like, man, that's, it's good. It brings so much peace, the grace of God. And I, but I think that sometimes it's tough because the longer we've been Christians, the, the diffi more difficult it is for us to deal with um, with the lemons in other people's lives. Because as Christians, we're really good at helping the people who life has handed them lemons, right? It's really easy to show compassion, to give help, to show grace. Tell you what we're not always good at is helping people that have grown the lemons themselves. We don't always do a great job at this. Because you made your bed, now you lay in it, right? Fair? No, <laughs> figure it out sort of thing. But the problem is that that is not how God sees his children. And if we're going to be God's reflection in this earth, it can't be how we see people either. Um, I, I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. Um, my sister and I were actually talking about it earlier this week. And it, I thought it it just clicked so well with me when I was thinking about this and about the people in my lives who um, have grown their own lemons and our approach to them. And Oswald Chambers said this, I have never met a man that I could despair, that I could despair of after discerning what lies in me apart from the grace of God. When I remember what lies in me apart from the grace of God, Man, there, are, there is no amount of lemons <laughs> that you could grow. There is no person so far beyond 
Again, no one that I could despair when I remember what lies in me apart from God, from, from his grace. But man, often we despair of people. And you may be in this place and even hearing this, you're thinking, mm, I was with you up until now, Stephanie. You don't know the people in my life. You don't know what they've done to me. Uh, you don't, uh, it may be true for some people, but not, not them. And while Oswald Chambers is great, and I think this quote is very applicable to so many people, we also, um, I also want to look at what the scripture, the same scripture from, about Saul says. Because it has something to say about how we as Christians respond to people. And in Saul's story, it gives us just that person, just that Christian, and his name is Ananias. So let's pick up in verse 10. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named, or from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, explained Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So can you imagine Ananias right now? Jesus just told him to go find the Christian killer. <laughs> go find that guy who was set out to kill you, who has purposed himself to kill you. And I love that God didn't even bring Saul to Ananias. He said, you get up and go find him. <laughs> And Ananias does, he goes and he finds Saul in a state of having experienced God and in need of a change. Because here's what happens. We don't get to pick who's worthy of grace. We don't, um, because, can we just say Ananias most likely would not have picked Saul, <laughs> the Christian killer. We don't get to pick how many lemons God is too many. We don't get to pick how much sin is too much for God to redeem. On to verse 15. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. How often do we deny grace to God's chosen instruments? That are the people that God wants to use, but our hearts are hard towards them. Because here is what will happen if we will choose to go. We're going to pick up in verse 17. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul. He called him his brother, which I think is neat. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit instantly. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. He got up and he moved forward. He got up and encountered God. He got up because a Christian sought him out. Ananias didn't go to Saul based on Saul's past. He went because of what God declared was going to be Saul's future. So how do we collectively create an environment that when people encounter us, they encounter Jesus? How do we create spaces 
so that God's chosen instruments who don't look like much just yet so that they can thrive in their potential future. Some, I think some of those conversations look like this. I can't give you any more money, but you can come sleep on my couch. Hey, I'll put that accountability software on my computer too. You know, I'll drive you to counseling or even better, I'll go with you if you're not quite sure if you can do it alone just yet. Or the most difficult conversation I think most of us can have that's, I can't help you anymore, but I'm gonna help connect you with someone who can because my heart is still soft towards you. And even though I can't help you, I wanna make sure that someone can. We gotta be able to and be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations first with ourselves to be able to repent and accept the grace in our own lives. And then we've got to be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations with other people. The inconvenient times, the inconvenient conversations, the difficult things that people need to hear. Because we will see the weight that an orchard can put on your shoulders. And we know if they can experience God, if they can have an encounter with him, and it was an encounter with someone who sees them like God does, man, their life will never be the same. And just like Ananias, when God tells us to go, we go. Even when all we see is lemons. Probably especially when all we see is lemons. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your grace, God, it's so far above anything that we could ever imagine. God, that when all we could see all around us was lemons that we had planted for ourselves, God, you came and you brought grace. God, I pray for my friends that are in this, that are in this place and they feel stuck in that cycle, going round and round, and just want a way out. God, I pray you would meet them exactly where they are today. If that's you and you're in this place and you say, that's me, I've been stuck in this cycle, and Stephanie, I'm tired. I'm tired of going round with this, but I know that something's gotta change. If that's you, will you just look up here at me for real quick? I see those eyes. God, I pray for all these folks. God, show them not just repentance, what true repentance looks like, but how to accept that grace for themselves. God, you died to give it to us freely. God, help us to freely accept it. God, and I pray for my friends in this place who their hearts have grown hard because they're people in their life who grew lemons all around them and their sin, their hurts, their pain. God, it has run over and it has hurt my friends. God, I pray that you would give us soft hearts, hearts that recognize the grace that we've received. God, and hearts that quickly turn that grace around to other people. And I'm gonna ask you guys the same question. If that's you and you say, Stephanie, 
I want to be the Ananias in the lives of people, but I'm not in that place right now, but I want to be different. Can you look up at me too? God, I pray for my friends. Only you, God. Only you bring this grace. Only you come and soften the hearts. God, sin came into this world, not just ours, but other people, and it affects us every single day, God. And I pray, God, that your grace would come through. And just like we sang this morning, God, that you would make it well, not just... <laughs> on the surface level of my friends today, but you would make it well in their souls that other people's sin would not be able to rob them of the things that you want to do in their lives, that sin would not rob them of the opportunity for people to encounter you as others encounter who they are, God. God, and for all of us, God, as we leave this place today, God, as we close our browsers online, as we stand up and we walk through doors, God, everywhere we go, God, help our eyes be open to the grace that you want to give us and our eyes be open to the grace that you want to give others through us. God, we love you, and it's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.